Hello and welcome back to the Butt Pie Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver, and today I am joined with Jack. Hello. And Tom. Hello. How are you both? Good. I'm all right, mate. How, How are, are you? you? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Good, good to be good to be back recording. I mean, probably could say that um, a bit more positively rather than you know the football on display at the moment, but. It's good. It's good to be back having a natter, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed. We try to keep positive today, but I, I'm I'm sure uh, sure it might go the other way again. Mm, hopefully, right. So I mean, there's no other way. But um, we're gonna get into the Sheffield United game first. I know um, we'll just cover that for a little bit of time, and then obviously we're gonna get onto the main main topic of the. Of the episode, which will be the story, the current state of affairs at the club. Um, I put a post out on the Book by Podcast Twitter asking for um, people's opinions on it, and I got twenty nine responses, which was fantastic. So I'll get through a couple of them, then we have a couple of listener questions come to the end. But unless you boys have got anything to say at the start, uh, we'll get straight into it. Yeah, yeah, no, let's go straight into it. Right, perfect. So obviously. Going into the game against Sheffield United, um, I think I remember our predictions come the end of it. It wasn't too optimistic. I, I think I predicted a 1-0 loss. I'm not sure what you predicted, Jack. I predicted um, 1-1. I, yeah. What, what did you predict, Tom? Uh, predict Tom? I wasn't on, but I wasn't confident, really, going oh. into it. You know, like, with, with the way that, we can't score in Sheffield United. They're, they're a good, solid side at the back, aren't they? It was it was kind of how we all expected it to pan out, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, for the first for the first half, really, you could see a way for North End to try and you know capitalize on the chances. You know, we looked fantastic going forward, to say the least. But it just felt like one of those same old where I didn't anticipate North End scoring, and it's that problem that, you know, probably remains on the pitch as well as in the stands that, you know, I just can't see North End scoring. No, it's it's getting a bit ridiculous now, isn't it? Three goals in 10 games is like, it's past relegation form. It's just, there's no real way to defend it. And obviously it's kind of a, it's not one particular person's fault. It's not Lowe's, it's not all the players, you know, it's not all the... Risdale's or whatever, it's kind of all a collective um, that's made us look as poor as we do going forward. And yeah, it's it doesn't really look like improving. Obviously, on Saturday, we probably had the best attacking players we could have on the pitch. So I don't know whether we need to change up the formation a bit, um, a bit of personnel if, if possible, but it just doesn't really look good at all you know Reese and Parrot look low on confidence Brad Potts I know he has a lot of fans these days but for me I just don't see what he offers on that right hand side going forward defensively can't argue with him but especially at home when you're looking to take the game to teams I just I don't really see the point in Potts being on the pitch I just think he limits us so much and that right hand side with Story Potts and the McCann on, on Saturday you know, Sheffield United were letting us have the ball down that side because nothing's getting created. But when you've got Hughes, 
Brady or Fernandez, DJ on that left, it's a completely different ball game. But if you've only got one side, you you can create chances from it. It's quite easy to stop you, isn't it? So we're very predictable is the way I'd describe it at the minute. Yeah, I'd agree because teams come to us now and I know we, we focus very much on the overload down left-hand side. You know, Hughes from turning into a left centre-back from a left-back, it's quite it's quite easy to transition into that position. Howlow wants you to play, you know, especially with overlapping down the left. But you don't really see that from Jordan's story. It's not he's not he's not comfortable because he's he's been really playing as like a back four, like as a flat four, especially in the kneel. And then he's transitioned more into, you know, a central centre back or a right centre back. Can you possibly see Jordan's story, you know, potentially becoming more confident at overlapping Jack? He looks confident already, doesn't he? I think, I think Jordan Story has been one of the standout players this season, like hands down. I think he's come back as a completely different man, you know, since you know since his loan from Sheffield Wednesday. But um, with what we're doing at the minute, uh, I feel like you know the overlapping centre backs are helping us overload the midfield really well and they are creating chances so uh, I think he yeah he's, I think he'll be more confident I think I'd, I'd, if I'm honest I don't really know what to say at the minute just I'd rather just focus on getting stuff sorted at the back yeah just you know and, and, and up front but it's just you know yeah Jordan's story as an overlapping centre back is probably one of the best things I've seen this season I think the thing with Story is, I think he's more suited to being a central centre back, yeah. especially back three. Yeah. You know, he looks a bit uncomfortable. Like he does his best, and he, he does try and follow what Low wants of overlapping. But there's only so much he can do. Like <laughs> defensively, I've not got. He's been superb. I saw a stat today. I think he's made the most interceptions in the division. Yeah. Like he's been really good at the back, and I think you can't leave him out at the minute. But I don't see, look at Set last season, you know, on the ball compared to Story. That's probably why Set was so much more preferred last year. Like defensively, they're, they're both pretty even, you could say. But the, the thing that takes Set to that next level is how good he is on the ball. And I think, yeah, the defence has done well. But I do think, and a lot of fans have probably said it as well, that we probably did need that right side centre half to come in. Um, in the window because you know set was a big miss and story's done done well but um I think it is starting to limit us especially with the no right wing back like I said before with pots and it just seems to to me that that is the I don't even think it's the strikers that are the problem really you know Brees and Parrot the low on confidence but they they are both good players you know they've proven it um in the past whereas on the right, I just I just think it limits us so much yeah. going forward. Just, it it kind of has an effect on the whole team, the midfield, the left hand side. You know, I just think that is for me from watching the game so far. That is where I'm getting most frustrated. Yeah, I was definitely going to say, although John Story has been fantastic this season at right centre back, and you know, some people have said he's become a revelation since coming back at Sheffield when from Sheffield Wednesday on loan. And yeah, he's been fantastic in that back three and, you know, shutting out games, keeping it 
the score to nil. But I do feel like down that right-hand side, you know, as a right centre-back, what low asks of his wide centre-backs, I feel like Jordan Story's limited to what he can bring. And I do feel like he's a bit of a downfall. I'm not saying at all that Jordan Story should be dropped. I feel like low system needs to be altered in, in a slight way that, you know, allows Jordan Story to play a bit more to his strengths in a bit more defensive thing. And I feel like that's probably going to put more pressure on the right wing back. And as you said before, you know, Tom, um, you're not so keen on Brad Potts. I will just say, though, like me saying that story is a overlapping setup, it's one of the best things I've seen. It's because I didn't expect it, really. So it's just kind of like I never thought Preston would ever play the overlapping centre backs. Yeah. And so seeing it is pretty wild to me. I thought that was like a one thing with Chris Wilder, but yeah, uh, I, I it was do pretty, think really it was pretty mad. He's going to bite us that, that right hand side, you know. Um, the centre-back and right-wing-back stuff, I think it, it's just more important than a striker for me. But um, obviously the strikers are the ones that get all the scrutiny if we're not scoring goals. Yeah, and what, what I was more focusing on the right-wing-backs, you mentioned, you know, obviously Brad Potts defensively. Yeah, he's defensively sound. He's done well. He does, he does, he does do his best on that side, but it still feels like he's shoehorned into that position in a way. And... Effectively, you know, we were going all out to sign Cyrus Christie. Um, and obviously, we, we do play Alan Brown in the middle. And I've been a massive advocate of Alan Brown at right wing back. But then again, we are shoehorning players into the system again. Uh, I feel like a massive gap was left when we didn't bring in a right wing back. You know, you, you look at Brad Potts now, he's probably the only player who can play right wing back. Yeah, you could probably play Brown there. Um, he does well for the Irish national team, but you look. You, if if he's wanting to play Brown in the centre in the centre of midfield, which it looks like he does want to do for his for his captain, then you know if Brad Potts isn't having the best game, you look towards the bench. You know you're effectively going to be bringing on what Robbie Brady to play on the right hand side, and Robbie Brady's very very one footed, so he's going to be cutting back. So. I feel like it's so predictable what we're going to do, especially with the substitutions as well, because we haven't got as much strength in depth as we thought was we did at the start of the season, I would say. Yeah, I think one thing that frustrated with me with Lowe is he's, he's been quite, um, you know, he, he stuck with, with Potts when at times he probably... You know, should have given Browns played the position before, and I think a lot of people in the middle, Whiteman, DJ, although you know you can fit more creative players in then, but he's been very stubborn with with Potts. He he keeps taking him off after an hour, so we can't be that impressed with him. But I think it just shows how much also we've been let down this window that um a player that keeps getting taken off after an hour is still starting every game because what alternative do we have? But I think also Lowe has to be a bit more open-minded about um, trying to change things as well at times instead of just sticking with the same old that, you know, it's brief, fresh, whether that's formation or personnel. 
uh, I think I think we're going to probably focus like obviously on the the situation of the club in the second part. But flashing back just the game against Sheffield United, Jack. Um, we did mention last podcast that you know we were unsure what Lowe was bringing to the side. You know whether we were playing possession based, like he, he mentioned, or you know counter attacking like we kind of did against Burnley. But um, we had fifty eight percent possession against Sheffield United. You know we did have the ball, but is that more so of Sheffield United allowing us, or is that because you know we've instilled this possession based football, and then from that. Did it really work? Because we we ended up having eighteen shots. Yeah, we were we were getting the shots off, but only three were on target. I think it's a bit of both, really. I think once I think in the first half, really, I think Sheffield United were sort of on the back burner, weren't they? Really, they were really not looking confident at all, especially at the back. I think we created a few chances that that probably should have been goals. Same old story, like. That one where Parrot was played right through, but his touch let him down. You know, if just little things like that needs to go our way sometimes. But in terms of like the possession, I think yeah, we we are playing possession based football, and I feel like in the second half, you know, Sheffield United really stepped it up and just thought, you know what, allow allow just allow them to have the ball because they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna score. I think it became pretty evident we weren't gonna score, and. Uh, you know, and I think they really, you know, just took advantage of us in that second half. And I was not, I was, we just didn't really do anything in the second half, really, especially towards the end when they started to really dominate. Is it coming to a stage now where you still have to be patient with the system? Or do you think it drastically needs changing quickly before it gets worse? Probably, I don't want to say drastic change because we are still going on top in games. We just need the, you know, just need the, you know, the, uh, what's the cutting edge up front. We just need that and then we are sorted and then we can really start putting games away. But in terms of maybe when teams start to step it up, like Sheffield United in the second half, we need to have an answer for that. We don't really have an answer for it because we are very limited in our depth. And, you know, it's uh, so I wouldn't say drastic changes are needed, just maybe a few tweaks when teams like Sheffield United come, you know, who they were on the back foot in the first half, but in the second half, when they really stepped it up and showed their true quality, we need an answer for that. And we just didn't seem to have, have that. Probably drastic was probably uh, uh, a, bit, a bit of an overstatement, actually, because no, thinking no. back to it, we're not, we're not, we're not really getting outplayed in games it's just as you said a cutting edge for me that's where I think a lot of people are overreacting I think people seem to just think we're just getting absolutely people make it seem like low system is absolutely flawed it's not working and it's like it it, it is it is working because we've been on top so many times in games we just don't have the the clinicalness up front at the minute and People just seem to forget that to suit their own narrative. And I feel like with with Preston, when it comes to some Preston fans, especially on Twitter, they they are really they, they just seem they're just real they're just really, really impatient and they just think Lowe's gonna cure everything overnight and that'll be that. And it's it's hard, you know, it's hard for Lowe at the minute, especially when he's not been backed, which I'm pretty sure we'll get on to. But um, 
I think people just need to be a little bit patient, but I also think low needs to be open to some change okay. in this system. Do, do you agree with that, Tom? Do you feel like we have to be patient in some way? I know, I know it's been 10 games now with three goals. In some way, yeah. Or do you believe, do you believe there's change like needed now mm. before it gets any worse? I think it's a hard one, isn't it? Because the first six, seven games this season, you know, when we had conceded a goal, we, the, we weren't scoring, but we were we were looking solid and then we were also creating chances. And then we've had a blip of three or four games after the window um, where things haven't quite gone to plan. And I think it needs a bit of both, doesn't it? You know, like Jack says, it doesn't need an absolute overhaul because things are looking okay. Like we have played a lot worse uh, in the past than we have done even on Saturday. Um, but at some point, you know, three goals in 10 games, like I keep going on about, you, you can't just keep sticking with that either. You know, you, you're going to have to roll the dice at some point. And, but we're kind of limited in what we can do with, with the players we've got. So I think uh, Lowe's hands have been tied a little bit. It's not like we could go to a 4-3-3, like who are you going to play on the wings? You know, who are you going to play right back? It, it's very much what's the alternative to this 3-5-2? It, it's probably the best system to fit all our players in that we have, really. So it, it's hard for, for me to really see what we can do with the players we have. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice to see, you know, maybe try and fit Brady and Fernandez in the same team. I think they're two of our best players, you know, get them, whether that's Brady in midfield uh, with Alvaro out wide or maybe like a 3-4-3 three, three with Brady a bit ahead of Alvaro or something like that, you know, something like that to try and get our better players on the pitch um, would be a good start. And I think that's probably what I'd like to see at Sunderland, if possible. Yeah, I, I agree. And I do feel like it's very... Uh, what was the word? That, that we're, we're limited again to certain formations mm. from from our squad. You know, we, we probably can't go back to a flat four mm. now because we're, go, we're going to have to play, you know, three at the back. We've got Liam Lindsay, who probably could fit into a back two. But then, you know, we don't have a right back. No. Brad Potts isn't a right back. I know he plays right wing back, but he's very forward. He's more like a right midfielder. Same with Brady. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Brady to be playing left back, no. realistically. So I feel like the players that we have brought in, we've limited ourselves to certain systems and certain ways that we have to play. Yeah, as we mentioned, we do need to tweak it. Um, like now and then, you know, as you say, try and get Fernandez and Brady on at the pitch, maybe play a 3-4-3, three, three, as you mentioned, you know, then you look who can play out on the right, maybe play Parrot in a more, more wide role, get him to run at defenders, see what he can do with Reese as a sole striker. So there's little things that potentially we could look at, but then again, it's, it's on low to try and change it. I know he's mentioned that he's, he's not going to change his system. He's stubborn and, you know, he's sticking by it and, in the way that he's going to be changing personnel rather than changing system. But do we don't have the personnel to be able to change. No. You know, you look at the substitutes on Saturday and it was getting booed off. I know Alan McCann, Alvaro Fernandez, and Parrot came off, didn't he? He got uh, jeered. But you look at that and you, you know who came on. Was it Chad Evans for Troy Parrot? And uh, Parrot didn't come off, did he? 
it was Reese, wasn't it? It was Reese, yeah. Um, what's that? Let, let me do. Yeah, it was. Um, it was no, it was Evans. Parrot. No, no, Parrot came off for um, short, shortly later on. Yeah, it was Evans yeah. for Reese, which straight straight off the bat, mm-hmm. you know, you've got you've got a player who you know hasn't really scored much in Chad Evans at all over the past three seasons, over a twenty-one goal striker. So you're taking off your best. Best chance of a goal in Emil Reese and replacing him with someone who, you know, doesn't really look like scoring and hasn't looked like scoring since probably about a year ago. Then you bring on Daniel Johnson for Alan McCann, where I thought Alan McCann was, you know, he, he, he did very well in that game. I was surprised by that substitution. Then you're bringing off Alvaro mm-hmm. for um, Brady, and, you know, you've not really got anyone in the box he'll stick his head on things you know he could say Chad Evans but when was the last time Chad Evans that man seems glued to the floor I swear to god I've not seen him jump I've not I don't I don't know a single aerial threat in our striking positions because Emil Reese isn't going to stick his head on things no he doesn't stick his head on things that's what Brady's effective for so you're bringing Brady on and you've got no one in the box we mentioned Andy Carroll we need to bring in someone of that calibre he's gone and signed for you know We've limit we've limited our options. Robbie Brady's been fantastic this season. He's you know we should be should be jumping on the chance of his crosses. You know we should be bringing it. We should have brought someone in who can you know get his head on things and you know just give us that different option because you're bringing players off the bench with different abilities and hoping it works because I, I I know Plymouth fans have slated in Ryan Lowe and just said. Oh yeah, he's got no plan B, and you could probably say, yeah, he doesn't have a plan B here. He, he clearly does, but he doesn't have the right personnel to be able to implement this plan. So, exactly. you know, what 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 can he possibly do in that sense? Yeah, just on on Brady, I think it's just it's such a shame that all that quality he has just you know every cross that goes in the box you're just like why are we even bothering like it is just a pointless exercise like he's got such quality and the ball's in are in dangerous areas but no none of our strikers or the only person that ever looks like even attacking them is, is Brad Potts to be fair to him uh, obviously his goal at Luton and he actually leaps and gets up you know we need Brown getting into the box you know he's quite an aerial threat but it's just such a it's a poor tactic to have when you're not um, you're not um, good in the air. We need to at Huddersfield away in the cup. Alvaro got in the similar areas, but he was playing low crosses into McCann uh, and the strikers because that's our strengths. You need to play to your strengths, and by putting looping balls in to the box for Emil Reese and Troy Parrott, you just it's it's a field day for the opposition defenders all they've got to do is just head the ball all game it, it it's not exactly gonna trouble them and that's why I think maybe Brady in the middle and Alvaro wide might work a bit more you know Brady in inside might be more chance of him playing those through passes to Reese to use his pace and things like that um whereas on the left it just feels like he were wasting his quality a bit at the minute I do feel it's negligent though by the club because you know, Robbie Brady's got this fantastic cross and, you know, we saw it against Luton with Brad Potts and, he, as you said, he's been putting it into, you know, areas where, you know, number nines who can head the ball, it's, it's a dream for them. 
realistically. So is it negligent by the club? I think it is personally. I'm not bringing in a striking option that, you know, could potentially come off the bench and give that, you know, you just give that bit of height and want to gamble on things. Was it negligent by the club to not bring in someone who can, you know, attack the ball like Andy Carroll? Potentially, I, and as Tom just mentioned, you know, he'd never, he'd never want or guarantee someone like Andy Carroll. But is it negligent by the by the club to you know not bring that option in potentially off the bench if someone who can you know stick his head on things because it um. you know not utilising Brady's crossing is a bit uh, it's just negligent for me. Yeah, but then again, I think the board would might not have ever predicted this goal-scoring drought. We're on. I say drought. Uh, so it's more than that. Uh, but I don't think the club would have predicted that at the start of the season. But, you know, as soon as the season started and it carried on, and I think it became pretty evident that we need that striker. Um, it, yeah, it's not looking it's, it's it doesn't look good on the club's behalf that we've need we need we do need that option Andy Carroll was an option he's now gone to Reading Simon Mackett I'm joking um yeah anyway uh I think are there are there more options out there probably in the free agent market probably not not in the well, minute anyway mentioned that we're not looking at the free agents exactly I mean that's plain stupidity to me. You you probably have to have a look in there, you, but um, it is negligent by the club, I think. And uh, and any man, everyone can see that we do need a striker. Just someone like Andy Carroll, just someone big. Doesn't need to be blessed with pace. Just someone who's good at positioning themselves in the box. So when Brady whips them in, he's a get. He's getting his there. Someone who's physically dominant in the air. There we go. A, a, a poacher, like, I mean, a poacher, yeah, Jordan mentioned that you know if they aren't the right fit they aren't going to bring he isn't going to bring them in because you know the budgets is what it is he doesn't want to bring in players that you know will I'm guessing put put the wage bill up but we've you know we've trimmed the wage budget massively you know we're not paying off managers Sinclair's gone Barkhausen's gone and you know another six or seven players have also come off the wage bill and you know where, where do you look at it now you know we we bought one one for a fee, which was a fantastic signing, by the way, but Fran McClough with Freddie Woodman. Mm. You know, you brought in a couple of loans and a couple of freebies. So, you know, what what are we doing? It, you it, know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a hard one, isn't it? The thing with, for me is we're signing these loans, free agents, um, but they're not going to provide well, unlikely to provide any resale value, you know, if you go and spend that money, that bit of money on a, on a bit of extra quality, they can either help you get up the table or you can sell them on for money. Look at our last few players that we've signed for 
one mil plus, you know, White, Moon, Reese, McCann, and they've all come in and arguably they'll all be sold on for a lot more money than we bought them for. And by, you know, signing these loan players, these cheap punt free agents, it's not going to happen. It just feels like there's not not a plan behind it all. And it, it just baffles me, you know, if we could bring in these younger up-and-coming players and sell them on, then we'd we'd be making more money. It just doesn't make any sense to me that we just seem to be content with just just existing at the minute of mid-table. But dare I say, mid-table's being ambitious at the minute with, with the way things are being run, which is disappointing after, you know, the summer we had um, with the season tickets. Yeah, and like the comments from Lowe saying that about false promises the other day, it just doesn't help anybody's mood, does it? You know, everyone's come together as fans. We've sold 2,000 tickets for Sunderland already. The fans have done their part like we were told to, but it feels like we've not been met halfway by the club. And I don't know whether that's because the Hemmings family are are looking for a sale and they don't want to up the costs um, in anticipation for one or something. But I think it tells a big story that Risdale hasn't actually done any media or anything after the transfer window three weeks after it's closed now and we've not heard a peep from him other than messaging fans uh, through through uh, messages and usually he'd be there to say all these things but he, he clearly knows that that things aren't right and the fans have a reason to be upset with how the window ended you know Lowe said he wanted four players he got Alvaro and Parrott he never got a right wing back and another striker. And he, he said he'd been given the licence to sign them. Where where did the, all that money go? Where did, the, where did the money for Christie go? Where did the money for Gray go? Where did the wages towards Laird go? Like all these players that we were linked with and it was common knowledge that we were, we'd, we'd had offers in for them, uh, wage offers in for them. And then suddenly we, we there was no money to go and bring in those extra two players that he'd been given the licence to sign. It's just... How stupid do they think we are? And I, I just think it, it's really disappointing and ruined what could have been a really special season for me. And um, yeah, I just don't see the strategy at the moment. And we've said this in the past with with this uh, with this own well with Risdale in charge, and then we've given Craig and the Hemmings family the benefit of the doubt after Trevor passed away. But if anything, it, you could argue transfer-wise, it's got worse when it comes to, you know, being smart in the window. And I think until something changes there, then unfortunately, I can't really see how we're going to progress as a club. It's the same old time, old realistically, isn't it? Can I just comment on the fact that the way Risdale probably is conducting himself, really, you know, since this transfer window's closed, you know, commenting to fans and all that. It is kind of embarrassing on the club, isn't it? And I know it's um, probably not going to be beneficial to us to say this because, you know, he has featured on the podcast before and he said he's watched, you know, listened to the podcast before. I just think the way he's probably conducted himself. And I'm not going to solely blame him. I'm going to say some of the fans as well who have bitten to him and, you know, and given him, you know, the stuff to buy on. Uh, I just think the way him and some of the fans 
of the way they've conducted themselves just absolutely embarrassing and just not a good look at the club at the minute. I think it's really, I think that's more, that's also doing a lot of harm to, you know, the spirits of the season. Do you, do you feel though like, I know Ridsdale's mess, replied to fans, but would you feel like it's like kind of his job too? Because I know he's yeah. mentioned, no, no, you know, I, just I, after we email I, back and yeah. I appreciate the transparency as well. He is transparent. That is Peter Risdale. He's kind of a no-bullshit person. He tells you as it is, whether you like it or not. And that is that is what he does. And uh, sometimes it is a little bit like... Sometimes it does feel like, is it a little bit necessary to go onto Facebook and respond to fans, etc.? It doesn't... I don't. I felt like it wasn't needed. I think that looked really bad, you know. I, mm-hmm. I think towards the end of the window, was it Norton Cuffey that he replied to on, yep. on Facebook about saying uh, the manager never wanted him? But was that actually him? Yeah, no, it was him. Oh, it was him. It's his actually. He's just embroiling himself into stuff that's not going to help relationships with the fans. Getting involved, and if you want to be transparent, make a, a statement for every fan, not just reply to one exactly. fan through a through a private message or on Facebook where not many people see. Make it open for everyone to see, and then mm-hmm. they can interpret it how they want to, rather than doing it like on a one by one basis. I just think since. Um, since the window closed, we've not had any public statement from anyone at the club. You know, have have we heard from Craig Hemming since since he first took charge? The one time went just after his, after Trevor had died, and then since then it, it's just been radio silence. And then Risdale usually, you know, you can't yeah. you can't hear enough of him. And then the last three weeks for me has just been very telling that he's had not he's not come out and done a press conference, not done a statement on the Twitter or anything like that. And it's just, to me, that is very telling that they know that they've Something's dropped the his balls. They've balls it up. And I think I, I, something must have changed during this yeah, week. Yeah, how, yeah. How was it so promising? And then we were licensed to sign four players and it ended up with two and Lowe saying he's happy with the squad he's got. And I feel really sorry for Lowe. And it, I, I made a tweet the other day that it's so similar to Alex Neal's reign that it ends up the fans start going for the manager because the hierarchy are immovable you know you, what can we do about that that's that's up to them to sell and I think it is getting like what it was with Alex Neal at the end the promising mm-hmm. manager that wasn't backed and then the fans end up turning on the manager because results haven't been good enough but the reason results haven't been good enough is because of the neg- you know all the negativity that the, the board bring something's got to have changed like g- g- Getting told, you know, coming out to the media and saying, I'm licensed to bring in four players or bring in two, and then come the end of it, nothing's said. Something's got to have changed, hasn't it? So, like, something's got to have been said, maybe potentially could be in the sale. Who knows? You know, Chris Kirchner, the only reason we heard about the Kirchner deal was because he put it on Twitter, realistically. Mm. Uh, we would have never known. So, unless the club had been radio silent and you know, trying to sell a club. Who knows? You know, we could we could just be we could just be cost cutting because you know the Hemmings family just feels like we, we don't want to put more money into the club. I, we don't know. Like probably the best scenario right now is you know we are in the middle of being sold because something's got to have changed because you look back and you know the supporters collective and the hierarchy. You know the 
if we are cost cutting and not with no plans to be sold, you know, you mentioned getting these players off the wage bill and you know not not putting it in. You know, you've mentioned there we've we've put money aside for Archer, we've put money aside potentially for Robinson. We were talking about we were speaking about Andre Gray, we were speaking about Cyrus Christie. You know, you put all them together, you know, that's probably about sixty seventy thousand pound in wages. Now, where's that gone? You know, come the end of it. I, I just think it's confusing to me more than anything. How can Lowe was so confident of getting these four players in and everybody was, you know, we were all a bit frustrated. It was taking a while, but we always thought, yeah, eventually we'll get that right wing back that we wanted since Darnell Fisher left in January of 2021. Like, how it was the same with like, so same with Jordan Hugo when he left. It took until, until Reese came in in. I think it was 2020 summer. So it took, again, 18 months for us to replace a player. And it, it's ridiculous. It, ben Davis, like, it, you know, we brought in Liam Lindsay at the time and no one was convinced with him at the time. And it just, we never replace our best players well enough. And that's why probably people had worries about selling Reese because we never end up doing anything with the money that we bring in. And the fact that, we still didn't bring in a right wing back when Ryan Lowe has gone on about wing backs since the day he joined the club in December of last year. And we still don't have one to me. It's just absolutely, it blows my mind. And I find it very hard to believe that every option that was suggested to him, he said he didn't want, you know, Norton coffee. How can you tell me he wouldn't improve us? And Ryan Lowe agreed with that. It, it just didn't happen. And we've let him go to Rotherham and, Ethan Laird's another. I know he went to QPR and QPR can understand a bit more than Rotherham, no disrespect to them, but QPR are a good, good football inside. Um, he's from down south, but the Norton Cuffey one for me was the one like, how have oh, you let that happen? Like, and then the fact Risdale saying that the manager didn't want him anyway, I just find it hard to believe if I'm being completely honest. He absolutely I improves. Everything he absolutely improves us 100 percent So I find that as well. as well. Even if he doesn't start, it's a different option off the bench, yeah. isn't it? No, but he, he starts, yeah. he absolutely yeah. starts, so that's the, it, that's the thing. It's just just be honest with us. Just I'd rather that all these lies that we get told, you know, just be honest and say that for whatever reason we didn't get him, rather than whether that was like he has to play a certain amount of games and we weren't willing to, you know, sign up to those clauses in a contract. I don't know what it was, but we had so many opportunities to sign a right wing back in the summer. Even Moses Adabadjo, like, we, he failed a medical, so the club pulled, pulled out of that one. So where's the money for that right wing back gone? And why... I, I'm getting... Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of Brady and Fernandez coming in, but why sign two left wing backs and no right wing back wing back back up and sign I'd rather that why it's just stupidity again like our squad building is so so poor and you can only I, I don't understand where the logic in that is that you, you're putting decent money towards two quality left wing backs but then you leave yourself with nothing on the right it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever yeah I, you've mentioned that before that you know you want them to come out and 
you know, you'd rather say, say the truth rather than lie. I know they said, you know, false promises that came out and then he, he kind of backtracked on it and said probably false promises isn't the right word. But, mm. you know, them going, oh, yeah, we're going to be forcing, pushing playoffs. And, you know, this, that, we're going to be rebuilding. You know, he's going to be given licence. I'd, ra- I'd rather know now that, you know, after not him bringing in his final two players, that everyone expected him to do so, and you know, would probably be a much, well, it would be much higher spirits because you know we have different options. So I'd rather know now with a bit more clarity that you know, yeah, you know, we are cutting costs. I'd rather know if we're cutting costs because mm-hmm. that'll lower my expectations. If the expectations at the start of the season by the club are telling us. Hey, listen, we're going to be right up going for playoffs. This is it, you know, it's here and now. You know, if we're cost cutting, why say that? Yeah, they they could have easily squashed all these. You know, we were going for good caliber of players, Christie, Andre Gray, and um, all those types of players. That right at the start of the summer we were getting linked to and denied it. They and this was ironically during the time that the season tickets were on sale, which I think leaves a bit of taste in a lot of people's mouths that it was all whilst they were on sale, all the good noises were coming out about the shackles being off, all that sort of stuff. The club never came in and said, No, this isn't the case, like all that sort of stuff. And then as soon as they went off sale, that's when, to me, anyway, it seemed that things started to go a bit pear-shaped. Things were starting to get a, a bit tense and Lowe wasn't sure whether he'd have to sell players to bring people in. He, he was starting to get a bit a bit short in the media. And I, I think, to me, it's no coincidence that that happened. And I do think that we were played as mugs a little bit, really. And it's such a shame that with the fans, with the flags and a really full deep dale, the away support superb as, as usual and we just seem to have done it again when I thought it wasn't even possible to keep letting down managers in the same way we do but we fair play we've somehow managed to pull it out of the bag again like and it's just demoralizing isn't it we've had this conversation on this podcast this time last year um the same scenario but it, it's it's 10 times worse now that we actually have a manager that could have achieved it could achieve something if he's given the backing. And now we've got it's already turned to fans chanting, you don't know what you're doing because of the negligence of, of the board. And it, it's just very disappointing, really, is the only way to describe it. Well, I'm also gonna mention, you know, like we've been speaking about here and now, you know, we've got loads of players now on one-year contracts and like, like, come the end of the season, we've got, you know, DJ, Liam Lindsay, who are mainstays in this team, mm. out of contract. And Lowe's mentioned That'd we're not really looking at extending them until, you know, after Christmas. So, yet again, potentially we've, got another, potentially we've got another massive rebuild come next summer. So We're in trouble, you know. Look at what next, next summer. Say we do stay up, which I think we will stay. Up. I think we'll be okay. But so we get to the summer, and I think we've got something like 12, 13 players contracted, and that includes a few that you know you, you'd want to shift on. And but if we're cost cutting and we're still under the Hemmings regime, how we're we're going to have to bring in you know eight to ten players next summer, 
And if we've got no money to go and bring in some decent calibre of players, we're just going to be stockpiling with average players. And it's, it's only going to end one way. It's only going to end in relegation, yeah. Whereas if we were forward-thinking, got people tied down to new deals and not rely on loans and frees that are given one-year deals, we, we'd have a bit of a basis of a squad to build on um, for the future. But it's very much been a short-sighted recruitment of, I think we've only got, is it one, two players that are con- that we signed this summer that have got a contract of longer than one year? Like it, um, what did Bambo get? Did he get two years? Who? Did Bambo get two years? Uh, yeah, Bambo got two years. Um, Freddie Woodman got three. Freddie and Woodman then and Ben, ben Woodburn's one and one, which I'd guess yeah. he'd probably get an extension. Robbie Brady's only one year, and then you got Loneys. Yeah, so it, it, it's just been very short sighted, and really, we've got not a long term plan. You, you'd probably expect Reese to, to leave next summer, if not in January. Uh, ben Whiteman will keep attracting suitors. <laughs> Look at the squad. Who you left with at that point? You're really, really down to the bare bones yeah. at that point. And we, we've planned for here and now, and the here and now didn't get backed. So yeah. The so future, how bad is the future going to be? Yeah. If if this is the here and now, and we back, this is our backing for the here and now. What is the future going to be? That that's the concern for me, and it it doesn't look good. This is. This is with the lone players and our better players still here. Like, I, I can't even imagine how bad next year is going to be if we don't sort ourselves out. And the thing is, we can sort ourselves out, but it's clear that the current ownership don't want to do that. So our best bet is hopefully, and there's not many people out there that want to buy football clubs, no. but hopefully, hopefully someone some, comes, yeah. we can have that, that slice of luck and someone can come in and sort us out. But we're not an appealing club, are we? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that one. How, how are we? How are because we? We've got, we've got the lowest in the area, yeah, of the northwest. So yeah. obviously you have got Man City, Man United, Everton, Liverpool, who uh, pre- Premier League clubs. You got Burnley. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what their category uh, thing is. I know they have under 23s. Yeah. So that's that's clearly higher than us. Blackburn obviously have the highest academy yeah. in the area. You've got Fleetwood Town, who have a better academy than us. Uh-huh. And then I think we're on standard with Morecambe uh, and Accrington, maybe. Accrington might even have a better uh, Wigan as well. So, you know, our, our academy, mm. although you, you're bringing through decent players, I know there's some decent players last season, you know, we, we did double and fair enough to them. Yeah. You know, our academy's like you bring him through one out of thirty. I at think best. the thing with us is, as a club, like for a potential owner, I do think we have some untapped potential. Like you know, when it comes to commercial revenues, you know, you've got the top of the invincibles. We we the catering's terrible. The just sport contract look like you still can't buy junior football tops. Like. At this, we, we're literally nearly in October and you still can't buy a junior football top in the club shop. We've got so much stuff that's just been just forgotten about. They, yeah. they don't they, they don't think about all all areas. You know, the, the fan zone, it's been a good addition, but they've not sorted out the the permanent... It's a tent of a car park. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not any hardship to the, to the club, is it? Really, it's not not anything that they couldn't they couldn't sort out, and it just feels very very half hearted in everything we do as a club. And I think if we got a new owner in, there's so much we could do, you know, to increase the fan base. Uh, Preston's a growing city. Hope you've got the university. You've got these things that you can start to bring fans in, but yeah. we very much don't seem to care about the marketing side of things. We're just we we we're apparently focused on the football, but even that, like when it comes to transfers and stuff, is terrible. It, there's so much that can be improved as a club with us that I just don't yeah. think we're looking at the bigger picture. But we never do. We always look at the smaller picture, and it's always the same worry year on year. It is like I remember speaking to Ben from the Preston Sports Collective and mentioning the university and to be fair I'm very thankful to the Preston Sports Collective for what they've done so far you know obviously I think they worked with p Online or it might have just been p Online who did you know the atmosphere with the flags and stuff that's superb mm. opening the cop again superb fan zone superb you know the, the credit's all there but without without the Sports Collective would any of this been brought in from, you know, the club? They wouldn't have. They, no, they, realistically, they've just been told what to do. They've just they been pushed by, by, by the, if they could just have got away with it, they, they'd do the bare minimum always. And they still are not far off doing the bare minimum, but now at least there's a bit of communication between the fans and the club to get a little bit of of things for get pushing forward. But we can't do it all for them. And I think that is the frustration, isn't it? for a lot of fans, we've been told to play our part. We've all played our we part have. in more ways than one. The trip to Benidorm, I went to Benidorm and there was hundreds, you know, there was loads of us there going to support the team and you, the season tickets, the flags, and we, it's just not been reciprocated and it's, it's a poor do. What do you think, Jack? I think... <laughs> I'm just, I mean, listening to you guys, you've nailed pretty much everything. Well, it's your rant, it's your rant time now, Jack. Oh, right. Where do I begin? Uh, I mean, you've said everything I've wanted to say, pretty much. But yeah, I think, again, I just want to say to the, if anyone from the Press and Sports Collective is listening, that we are absolutely thankful for what you've done for the club. You've probably done more than anyone would have done at the club. So, Thank you for that. And we are not ungrateful whatsoever for what you've done. Uh, but it's the thing, it, the thing is for me, is just that, yeah, the club seem like they are being forced to do this. Like now that there are some people pressuring them to do this, they have to do it to, you know, keep them happy. And, you know, exactly. Uh, I mean, I wish it worked with the transfers and all that. I wish it worked that way, but unfortunately it's not working that way. But um, yeah, I think, when it comes to the hierarchy, I think rem- I remember when Ryan Lowe came in, people were like, oh my word, Peter Isdell's done something right. He might have changed. For the better. I said, give him a year, and it's not even been in a year. Is it all Ridge? I've, seen, Is it all Ridge I've seen no. I don't think it's all Risdale. I also think it's part of the club's hierarchy, really. And I think, but I just, I just think, I just gave Risdale a year to see if he has truly changed and the board. And I don't see any change. I, f- whatsoever. I, feel it, I feel it is mainly, you know, the family because 
Risdale is set is set a budget. He's he's clearly managing the yeah. budget. Okay, uh, yeah, but, I but, get but that. Would, no, but what I would say, uh, agreeing with you here, you know, we we we've had a budget set, you know, and mm-hmm. we squashed it all on one player in Freddie Woodman. If that was our budget at the start of the of the window, how which awful I do think is, is that, by the way? Yeah, how I know, awful is that for a budget? Changed, which I do think has changed for our because obviously we must have had a budget change because. We've left players wide open. You know, going back on you, you know, if the budget was set at 500 grand to spend and mm. we've just and splashed that, it I'm, all yeah. one player, that is shocking. That is shocking. And I wouldn't say that's, that is not Risdale's fault whatsoever, but I think he possibly might, could have probably done more to try and convince. Try and, try and have a dialogue with them and say, look, this is what we need. And as, as well, like you look at with the the contract situations he's done in the past, like he's made us lose out on a lot of money with Davis and Pearson in particular, and by not getting those contracts sorted out when they should have been or sold them if they weren't going to sign the contracts, and we ended up letting them leave with six months to go for peanuts, and you know it is a collective effort. I think it's unfair that Risdale always gets. All the the brunt of the yeah. attacks. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's all Ridsdale. I think he does play a small part in it because obviously he, he's he's a mainstay. But as you mentioned, yeah. yeah, he'd love to be able to spend ten million pounds. You know, if the the, the Hemmings family gave him ten million pounds to use this window, I'm sure he'd then love it, that more than any other fan. But then again, with well, his reputation, do you trust him <laughs> to spend that? <laughs> yeah, it's it, the thing is like with Risdale, I think he doesn't do the best with the resources he's given. Um, he sometimes wastes it on bizarre things and contract renewals that you're just like, why have we done that? And um, So I, I do think it's a collective effort, but like you say, I do think the biggest problem is, is the Hemmings family and mm-hmm. their ambitions with the club and, and where they, they want us to go and until that changes. I don't think we're going to change. I I just want to add on, right? I do think, right, that Risdale does have a part to play. And I think he does have a... I feel like he has a bigger role and I think he should take more responsibility in having a dialogue with the board and trying to push them. Just push them. Because, you know, worse that can happen, he probably loses his job. But then again, he has to do something really drastic. He's he's working on the FL board, so... He's on the EFL board as well, and the thing is, as the thing is, um, with with the with Hemmings family, I, I I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt for a, for a while because of what happened to Trevor, but you know, after two three months, that that that, you know, it's passed. We have to move on. When it comes to the Hemmings family, I think it, it the attitudes, not I I don't think Craig just has that. A lot, a lot of people have agreed with you there. Yeah, drive, he doesn't, he doesn't have that drive to carry on to, to invest and just he doesn't. I don't. Think he might have. Been. He might no. He might have it, but he's not showing it. And I, I feel like we can't. Oh, I, I wish he would show it, but it, I feel, I feel like this attitude and this sort of radio silence for the club is probably going to be a, is probably a sign of something's coming. Maybe with the sale of the club. 
you know, we we it's public knowledge that we are looking to sell, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we I tried mean... to sell to Kirchner, but Kirchner is an absolute idiot. It turned out to be an absolute <laughs> fraud who to, to posted every detail. And that was a dodgeball. And I will say to Risdale, that was very good for him because I did say that he was a little bit stubborn when it came to Kirchner. And I thought he was trying to have his way in it. But when everything came out and all the, de- uh, all the details came out, I, I sided with Risdale. And that is one of the best things Risdale has done in recent months. Yeah, uh, I agree. But, I, but I, 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 I wish, I hope with whoever interest, whatever interested party comes in, that he doesn't try to have things entirely his way. Entirely his way. Just, you know, would we be... I want to ask you a question, right? If new owners came in, would you be content with Risdale staying? Yeah, probably. I would be. For the time being. I don't think think he would, personally. Because Hemmings is like friends. It's, it's, It's hard to describe because... I feel like you know we are we are we have been you know saying you know it needs financial backing the club, but we're writing off ten million a year, and I know that's what it probably does cost to you know run a championship club. Let's not beat around the bush here. Because one of the team aren't we le- aren't we one of the teams losing the least money though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're that's ten, ten again. Ten million is still ten million. Yeah, ten million is still ten million in the day, but you know we we are judging on a Satan. Where, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes this season. You know, we're, we're to balance the box. We're looking at a sale each win, each summer window, aren't we? You know, Emil Reese would have been this summer. You know, and that would have balanced the box for a year. So, you know, if, if we were going to do that and be a better run club, we'd have better recruitment. But we don't. Mm-hmm. So we brought in James B, and and obviously his role's now been established. Yeah. So. What, what I don't understand realistically is, you know, if, if we are just writing off ten million a year, why don't we, you know, put ten million into potential recruitment, you know, and back the manager, this, that, and the other, you know, potentially we could get promoted. That's, you know, how much money do you get promoted? One hundred fifty million. Yeah. So that's and then 50, you can sell the good players on if you don't exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. So the financial model right now at P and E. By signing free agents on one-year deals, stinks. Mm-hmm. It stinks. Uh, I'd, also, I'd also like to add when it comes to like spending to get to chase the dream, even if it doesn't work for us, uh, I feel like our wage structure isn't that radical. Is. So people will still buy from us, and I don't think the wages, the wage demand will be excessive. So we could still move those players on. If we have to, you've got to take gambles in this league. You do. You have to bring in, you know, young players. You who have to spend your themselves. way. Yeah, you have to and, spend you know, your way. You have to. You have to at least invest. You know, a couple of million at least. What, what's the point in not I'd trying at all? What's, well, what's the, I mean, what's the point in not trying at all to bring yeah. in a young established player that you could sell on? You know, it's pointless bringing in these 28, 29 year old players on freeze like. No, I mean, you may think, you know, well, Robbie Brady's a fantastic signer. And don't get me wrong, he is. But you need to also bring someone in alongside Brady. Yeah. You know, you know, a 21, 22-year-olds on a on a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't work out after a year and a half, sell them. You won't lose that much money. The thing with, like, with, with it all at the minute is the only way 
the money's going to be made back for the Hemmings family, if it ever is, is by getting promotion. And you're not going to get promoted by, like you say, free agents and loans. So they are just that they're just doing it for to themselves. That the best way we could make that money back is promotion, but it's not going to happen with the way things are being run at the minute. And to me, that just baffles me how you couldn't want to just progress to that, that next level, like that ambition to go that that step further that we've never made before. And I just think everybody wants it so much and the, the people that matter don't, which is... The, the, the best way on. to go about it is smart recruitment. That's the bottom mm-hmm. line. And the smartest recruitment is bringing in, you know, young, young exciting players. And I mean, Jack mentioned Brandon Thomas Asante. He scored two goals in like three games <laughs> from West Brom. For 300 grand. Another one. Another one. He's a 22, 23-year-old, Baz. Look at Cartland Morris at Luton. We mentioned him how many times at, at before the end of last season? So, how so many long times? Thing. You know, if it doesn't work out, you end up losing, what, 200, 300k? What's the big deal? You know, and if, like, it does work I'll out, you you're what. selling them on for, like, 10 times the price. Yeah. You know, we brought Emma Racing for like 1.2 million, we had a bid for like eight and a half million. Well, look at Ivan Tony as well. Like, we could have got him, don't even get me started. Ivan Tony, we could have had Keith Moore, Jamal Lowe. We were talking about this before, Ollie. We went for Louis Malt, we went for um, Jane Stockley, yeah, Josh Ginelli, Max Lowe, Lowe, the left back who plays in and out for Sheffield United. I was certain that was happening. I was certain that was happening. And look, though, look how good they've all become. But we went for the cheaper options and look where we are now. If we'd have brought in Kiefer Moore, Ivan Tony, Jamal Lowe, we'd have either sold them on for millions or we under Alex Neal, we probably would have got promoted with, with one of those strikers. And we didn't bring them in because they wanted an extra few grand, an extra few hundred K on the transfer fee. We missed out. And now look at where they all are, playing in the Premier League. Uh, or playing for England, playing in World Cups. It, it's just, honestly, it's it, that, if that tiring. isn't an indicator to the club that they should sometimes push that boat out a little bit more for that bit of quality, but in the long run, it will make you a lot more money, then uh, to me, they're never going to help. They, they can't help themselves at that point if if they still think the way forward is signing these free agents and middle-eight, Jaden Stockley's, Louis Maltz, David Nugent's, then, well... We can't help them, man. Evan Nugent or Ivan Tony. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, what it was for me when about Jaden Stockley, we were really riding on the fact that he scored the most goals in like the top four leagues in England or whatever. Oh, was it Europe? I don't even know. And it was just like, yeah, it's League Two. The Championship is massive it's, jump it's up. A massive it's a massive jump up. So I don't think it was ever going to be replicated that sort of form. Ever going, it was never going to be replicated. It might have in the long run, but Jaden Stockley has not particularly impressed much where he has, you know, gone except maybe except Exeter. And I don't really know how he's doing at Charlton at the minute. No, I don't, but, I, don't I think he's not done the best, really. I know he's captain now, actually. Yeah, and he was meant to be going to Portsmouth at one point, but anyway, on to my point is like. Uh, I mean, Josh Janelli, don't even get me started. <laughs> like, Josh Janelli was so funny to me. Well, we're going down the road of signings now. Well, the recruitment's been shocking for years. You know, Ridsdale said that if he gets two and five correct, 
he's done well. No. So that's free on the wage that's bill. That's such a now. bad that's, that's such a bad that's such a bad thing to say. That's four in ten. Four in four in ten signings. If he gets them, he'll be happy. But so that's to me, it's just the worst mental how can you go in with that mindset of thinking like that? Surely every sign you make, you should be trying your hardest to that is where we fail as a club. If that is the whole the whole thought process of this football club, then you you just gotta I just I'm lost for words with comments like that. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's where I think that Risdale bears a lot of the responsibility. To say you to get two in five correct, he's done well, is awful to say because then you're basically saying, yeah, three players that aren't doing well, they're still on the wage bill, still sucking money at the club. We might not be able to move them on, and you're just content with them being there, basically. But the two, but yeah, the two might do well, and they end up getting sold on either for peanuts or whatever. So I feel like that mindset has got to change, and that has to be. Four out of five, or five out of five, like yeah, literally it does. It does. four minimum. Four but, out of five minimum. We, we, we've been through this for the past. It's, it's every year as a PE fan. We know it is, and it has been for years. It's the same regime, and I feel like now. Um, I, I mean, when I put out the thing for the Butterfly podcast for everyone's opinions on the club situation. 99% agreed, you know, that you, they believe the club needs to be sold for us to progress. And, you know, that's the way forward. They feel like, you know, the club's recruitment's been poor. We've mentioned that. And, you know, unless something does change, you know, as we've mentioned previously, you know, we're going to be in deep trouble. So, I mean, I feel like we'll end up going over the same things over and over again continuously for another three hours if we continue because we've been recording we an hour and a half. We could rant about this for hours. We're on for, for an hour and a half. So I mean <laughs> I feel like if we if we lose if we lose again Sunderland away, I'm sure we'll have a nice another discussion about that. But fingers crossed we do beat Sunderland and you know yeah. to turn around and <sighs> something needs to change. It does. You know it's got to a point now where it, you know, the regime probably does need a change. Like, there's no more beating around the bush, you know. We need to progress as a team. We need to progress as a side. We can't be stuck in the same position as we are every year where we're needing to rebuild to stay, to finish 11th or finish mid-table. I, I'd, be, I'd be happy with 11th this season, mm. to be fair. It's just, we need to... We need to move on as a club and probably the best way of doing that... All oh, thanks to the Hemmings family and, you know, for, for their backing for many years. They they did essentially save the club. Let's not forget uh, uh, yeah, that. But yeah. that's I, not... I, I think but, it's time uh, to move on. I mean, exactly. They did essentially we're, save the club yeah. from potential we've got, we've got to move on as a really. club. You know, but yeah. Tom, you've said that as well. You know, we've got to move on as a club now. Yeah. Now's probably the right time, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Just for all parties, thank you and we can all move on um, and hopefully get what we want. She's promotion. It is mm-hmm. Premier League football for Preston North End. Probably, you know, one of the, one of, if not the biggest clubs to not reach the Premier League. Yeah. Can I just say, though, the one thing that really should be enticing this family is that's where the money is, the Premier League. That's where the money is. So why have they not been enticed by that? Even is if it it's because just they one can't? season. Even if it's just one if season. If it's just one season, yeah. yeah. 
but let's not get into that because we'll be repeating yeah, the same things thoughts. again. But yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say, so Jim Ratcliffe, I know you've been after United and I know you were after Chelsea. Just go, I, I, and I tweeted this out a few months ago. There's a there's a club about 35.3 miles northwest of Manchester called Preston North End that is up for sale, Jim. He's one of the, he's Britain's richest man. Come on, why can't you buy? I mean, that, that's oh, a far cry. But the but. thing is, aren't we one of the richest, you know, owned by the Hemmings family, which are like one of the, we're like the richest, sixth, you know. One of the, we're the sixth richest in the championship, apparently. Yeah, we're, we're bottom three budget, so. We're, we're, we're going to go on circles, but unless yeah. you boys have got anything else to say, please say no. Um, <laughs> uh, no. I'll, I'll, I'll end it here. So thank you, listeners, if you have got through a full hour and a half, I think, of uh, us rambling on. Um, the next episode will be after the Sunderland game. Make sure you follow us on all our socials. Can we do our predictions for that? 1-0 um, uh, Sunderland. Yeah, I'm going 1-0 Sunderland. First That's time I'm on loss. 1-1. Uh, oh. uh, some optimism. <laughs> Posit- positive. Positive. Mm. But, yeah. Um, thank you, listeners, for listening once again. Follow us on our socials, you know, Twitter, at the Butterfly Pod um, on TikTok as well, the Butterfly Podcast, and you'll be able to see our beautiful faces as usual. Uh, Tom probably not a floated head this time, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Che- cheers, guys, and uh, cheers, listeners, once again. Good night.